As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The steal by Iverson, posting in! He won the He won the game! Being there to say, absolutely no! Three from Scott. Yeah! Do you love this game? It is the Sixers Talk Podcast with you once again. We're brought to you by Wilmington University. Will you works. I'm excited. The juices are flowing. Kevin Rice, uh, he is... My co-host, of course, the Kevin Rice from Temple University. And Kevin, we got basketball tomorrow, real basketball and some great matchups with the Clippers and Lakers on a nightcap and the Warriors and Nets, Kevin Durant versus Steph Curry. Everybody's healthy except Clay Thompson. But uh, are you as excited as me? We're almost there. It has not really hit me yet, to be honest. I still I'm still kind of it'll hit me, I'm sure, today or tomorrow night, but I'm still kind of. Still kind of easing my way into it, but at the point it does hit me, I'm probably going to be over the moon and just kind of realize that I'm going to watch real basketball again for the first time in like three months, which isn't that long, but <laughs> still seems Bro, like forever. I think it's still like two months, but I, I feel you. It, it feels so like you're pulled in so many different directions right now and mm-hmm. basketball, which is, you know, near the top of the, the priority list, but it also is something that's like, a little surreal because of the way last season ended and here we are ramping up again and everything's been like in this pressure cooker as we mm-hmm. get here to the opener for the Sixers on the 23rd but again the NBA opening up tomorrow on Tuesday um, let, let's talk about before we get to the Sixers opener this last preseason game we didn't see Joel Embiid uh, we saw Ben Simmons in a limited amount you know what my biggest takeaway was Kev hit me not seeing Joel gave me a lot more insight than I thought I would get because I saw Dwight Howard in a starting role and just the difference in the motor, Kevin, mm. just, just, a t- just a different, I mean, the dude is 34 years old. Uh, he might be 35. I'm not sure, but um, he, I think he just had a birthday in December. So I think he's yeah. 35, but either way, just seeing the intensity and the motor that the, he has getting up and down the floor is completely different than mm-hmm. Joel. He is the best backup they have had uh, yeah. since Joel's been here and his tenure the seven seasons he's been here. But he gives them something different, Kevin. It is something different than what Joel has. And particularly, you don't have to run offense for him. He's getting alley-oops and mm-hmm. putbacks and offensive boards and such. Yeah, I think so- this, this is a real feather in their cap, man. It's so bittersweet because it's awesome that they finally have a backup now for Joel and someone who's not going to just hinder them on the offensive or defensive end like they have in the past. But if they just had a Dwight Howard in the Raptors season. Oh, yes. It just that. I don't know why that's always just going to link in my mind where it's, oh, we've backed up. Because you, you have PTSD from Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe yes. has given you PTSD. That's yes. fine. It was so such shame. Like, and there were viable options out there for center. Dwayne Dedman was available. There were guys they could have gotten that would have put them over the hump, I think. But we're that's the past. Now we're in the future with or the present, I guess, with Dwight Howard. And I agree. It was really 
hopeful, almost inspiring to see the Sixers operate without Joel and operate well with, or like well without Joel. I think there were some very good grave concerns, but um, yeah, the Dwight stuff, he was awesome on offense. He, I think shot perfect from the field in the Pacers game. I don't think he yeah. missed, but the def- defensive end, he was a little, uh, eh. he had some trouble with Sabonis and the pick and roll coverage and everything, but he's older. He knows what to do. He just, I don't know if he has the burst or ability to do it anymore, which is okay. That's fine. Like I'll take it. The best backup center. He is a backup, right? Yeah. He's backup. But yeah, like the, the games Joel doesn't play anymore. I have a little more hope, which is good. Yeah. And I think, I I think the other, the flip side of that is that I'm also hoping and, and praying that this type of veteran who can go out and demonstrate and show the things that maybe Joel is lacking. And by that, I mean like super strong pick and roll and in that aspect, um, just, just one game. Joel's screens did look stronger than last year. Yeah. Yeah. Sample game, but yeah. And just whatever he's gleaning from him in practice, when it comes to those little nuanced things, when it comes to getting up and down the floor, how about Kevin, his physical just appearance, like this dude is in shape. Yeah. Like ripped. And like, when he had like his kind of rebirth on the Wizards, was it? Or the Rockets, he didn't look good. And then on the Lakers, he's like a totally new human, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, I've said it before on the Sixers broadcast. I, I don't know if they win the championship without what Dwight Howard was giving them off the bench, mm-hmm. uh, particularly as far as burst and being interchangeable. And, you know, obviously, if you watched, you know that they started him, you know, late in the playoffs because of the impact that he was making it. Yeah. And it, it didn't it paid dividends for them. So I, it's just that I'm, I'm looking at what he brings off the bench for this team in those games where Joel will be low managed mm-hmm. in those games where Joel maybe is nicked up or has the bubble guts again or whatever <laughs> you know you want to you want to look at. But it's just a tremendous upgrade there. And I'm hoping that this is three-time defensive player of the year, you know, he's super strong with the screen setting and the rolling. I'm hoping that's something Joel can pick up from him as well. Yeah. There's a lot that he can just teach Joel, even if he can't do it as well as he could in the prime of his career, but there's so many things he can just, Joel can learn from him just from watching and listening. And and I think it also will, you know, play into Dwight's hands as well, because keep him around, man. This is a one-year yeah. deal. You could keep him around probably and, and get a, a team-friendly deal depending on how the season goes or his, mm-hmm. you know, draw outside of Philly, but keep him around, man. This could be the the person who Joel is able to kind of mold some of his game after with those defensive, mm-hmm. you know, strong suits that Howard yeah. possesses. I talked a while or a couple pods ago about retooling versus rebuilding with the Sixers and how they kind of handcuff themselves into not being able to do either. Uh, Dwight Howard's the perfect kind of retooling player of he's not going to cripple you financially. He's not going to be like a superstar who needs the ball all the time. Like he's in the twilight of his career. So that's a perfect retooling guy to have of just flexible contract. Awesome dude around the locker room. Awesome dude to teach the younger players. So um, that was a great signing and he's not Al Horford. (laughs) And he's not Al Horford. He gives them what they need without all those things you mentioned. And I think the other thing that jumped out to me from this preseason game, and it it wasn't even a big deal. We we talked about it so much, but Ben shooting that three pointer, um, I guess it was a two for one, Mm -hmm. you know, it was late in the quarter. 
Um, and he was trying to get a shot up in order, you know, it ended up being a three pointer, but for the Sixers to get a two for one opportunity. And I had no problem with it. It looked fine. It mm-hmm. was a deep three. It, deep, it hit yeah. front rim. But why he doesn't shoot them more will always be the question. But listen, man, that, that that's the bit. I mean, I need to see more of it, but it, it I think it's just becoming more and more just, you know, one of those things where Sixers fans are just like, all right, well, he shoots and he does it. He shoots and he does or he doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It's just more or less the fact that he's going to attempt it. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where were you on that? What, what did you feel about that when you saw it? What was your reaction? Yeah, I had a pretty he was pretty uninspiring in the first half of the game. I thought he had an open three earlier and pump faked it and it actually kind of worked. He got downhill because the defender bit on the pump fake for some reason. But like <laughs> I'm like I'm fine with him shooting it. I obviously want him to shoot more, but he one preseason attempt isn't gonna sway me to being like, all right, here we go. Like he's shooting threes now. Right. Like I the preseason would have been the perfect time for him to fire like four a game because no one's gonna care. Like the national spotlight's not on you. If you make one, great. If you miss all four, oh well, you go from there. But one attempt in two games is not fulfilling for me at all i haven't seen much growth offensively from him in those two preseason games from last year the season before so i am a little not i'm it's kind of sound like i'm hating on ben again which i kind of am i guess but <laughs> it's it's uninspiring to me and i am not gonna hold out for any new changes for him offensively yet and Doc is kind of letting him off the hook, um, continuing to say things like, oh, I didn't know what really mattered where all the scoring comes from. Just the fact that we score and, you know, he he's not putting any pressure on Ben in that regard. He's just trying to, you know, elevate the team overall. But I, I think, you know, when I saw it, it didn't catch me off guard. I think it was more or less like, oh, was that Ben? Yeah. And, and then it was more or less like, oh, what's going to happen to the shot? And then it hit front rim and then it, it missed. And there was there's it, it, no fanfare. I, yeah. I, I think hopefully, you know, he he responds to that. That's but. another thing. There's no fans there to like boom or like get on him for missing. Like it's all just going to be on social media now. So like if you can avoid that part of it. So this big, is the season then. This is when he should start chucking him up, right? It should be. <laughs> but I don't know if he's going to. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So the preseason game number two, I mean, you know, it's, it's such a short preseason. You wish you got more, particularly with this, you know, new lineup. And I think you know, if I can be honest, Kev, which I'm going to be anyway, but it's just one of those, you know, things you say to transition between one topic to another. But it's just that I look at this opener and I see the Sixers at a disadvantage. Mm. They don't have the camaraderie or connection that some of these other teams have. I'm not saying they don't have a camaraderie or connection, but they don't have it to the same level. 
as the teams that they're chasing. So you have a team like Milwaukee who has played together. They mm-hmm. add Drew Holiday to a mix that was already the best team in the regular season. And Drew Holiday is in no way, shape, or form the type of player that will upset the apple cart. And since I mentioned his name, just a quick, you know, a tangent, uh, you're shaking your head. Did yeah. you want to say it, Kev? Because, no, you, you got it. You got it. I man, this dude is dedicating his entire salary from the NBA season. He make a pretty penny, I might add. But he's dedicating his entire salary from this NBA season to uh, small business owners, or is it a small black small business owners? Or black-owned businesses. Black-owned businesses. There you go. Um, so I guess small or large, but Drew Holiday is dedicating his whole $25 million-plus salary yeah. to black-owned businesses, man. Like, awesome. whoa. Like, we, we did come across something like this with Chris Long a few years ago with the Philadelphia Eagles who did it, but but Kevin – Drew Holiday make a lot more than Chris Long, man. Yeah, he. I remember when Drew was on the Sixers and like living. I'm pretty sure he lived with his grandma when he was playing here. And he was like, I was like, oh, that's a cool guy. And then <laughs> he just kind of kept prospering. And I was like, heck yeah, Drew, like keep doing it. And yeah. now him and his wife Lauren Holiday, who's a U.S. national soccer team player. I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know if she's still with them. I think she has hung up her cleats, but, yes, but- she, she was a top tier athlete for sure. Yes. So they're just doing phenomenal work. We talk about a lot and just social issues of what can athletes use their platform for? Like is kneeling during the anthem good, like bad for publicity? Like, does that actually do anything? But then Drew Holiday is doing an actual like tangible making a difference. (sighs) So I'm extremely inspired and proud of him. Not that he needs to be, needs me to be proud of him, but right. I feel you. I mean, but how can you not be impressed, right? Like, yeah. my gosh, like, yeah. what a pledge and what an outpouring of love from him and his family. So um, props to him from the Sixers Talk podcast. <laughs> he doesn't need it from us, but uh, we're extending our um, co- extreme congratulations for that type of decision. So that all really cool. But getting back to basketball, they bring Drew Holly and Milwaukee Bucks. He's not going to upset the apple cart. He's going to compliment what they already have there. You got teams like the Miami Heat who – you know, have all of their good chemistry and energy mm-hmm. coming off of an incredible finals appearance. Because of uh, Boston Celtics. But you, you feel me, though? Like, the Sixers yeah. aren't quite those teams. So this front beginning of the season, hopefully they can catch lightning in a bottle and be hot. Those first five games uh, out of the shoot are definitely winnable games for them. The Raptors being probably the biggest, maybe the Wizards and Raptors being the two biggest challenges they have there. But uh, you, you agree with me, right, Kev? Like, they're, yeah. mm-hmm. they're a little bit of a disadvantage. They haven't had that camaraderie since the 17-18 season, I think, when Covington, Sarge, McConnell, and all of them were still here, when it was very obvious that the team liked each other. <laughs> but um, even just the opener, you want to talk about, like, a culture shift. The Wizards bringing in Russell Westbrook, they've been posting, like, the Wizards social and everything, they've been posting a lot, and they look, like, extremely happy together. Right. It's like you buy in. You're buying into yeah. that, right? It's like Westbrook and Beal love each other, obviously, and Westbrook's hyping up every single player on the Wizards. Like, there's just that kind of character shift that the Sixers don't have, and I would have thought Joel would be that guy to do that, but he's mellowed out the last few years. He's a father now. He's talked about how that's made him more responsible. Ben has never been that kind of guy. Dwight Howard is. He's the guy who will hype you up. Justin Anderson was, but Sixers waved him, which I'm meh on. Uh, <laughs> but not Russell Westbrook level. I mean, no, this dude has it's, injected some energy, man. It's the difference between like 
between Justin Anderson, like hyping you up on the bench, being that guy who runs off the bench when you score and Russell Westbrook, who's doing that and also putting up like triple double, triple double numbers. So that's a point of, not a point of emphasis, but a point of question for the Sixers this season. Like who's going to be that spark? Like who's going to be that guy who like, it was Josh Richardson last year and he's gone now, which good for him. But like, there's no guy I'm confident in that's going to, give them that punch or that spark just in the enjoyment of basketball way. Right. And your point, not only is he doing it with his play, but he's vocally like he's covering all the bases. He's encouraging you and leading by example. Like what, what else can you ask for? So with that said, I think you'll agree a tough opener for the 76ers because we know Bradley Beal is going to be playing out of his mind. And then Russell Westbrook (laughs) with this new, you know, influx of energy and competitiveness and intensity. Um, the Brody and Brad show will, will be a tough task for the 76ers. And I don't know. I mean, you, you look at what the Sixers have and Doc has talked about the fact that the defense is ahead of the offense, um, which is good mm-hmm. uh, for the Sixers, particularly because they're, they are, do have a bigger team, um, you know, w- without Seth Curry in that mix. But, um, so I, I'm encouraged that they're better than the Wizards overall, but that doesn't necessarily equate to an opening night win in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Their defenses look solid. Dan Burke, their new like defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, they look and they looked like they knew where they were going on recoveries in the second preseason game, like just when they switched. Oh, as far as like the help defense and stuff like that, they would double, which I hadn't really seen last year. They doubled a lot more in that game, and then they knew where their recoveries were. Like Shake, I'm pretty sure doubled off the ball, and then the Pacers ended up swinging it. Shake didn't go to the first guy; he just ran right to the uh, weak side corner because he mm-hmm. knew. Like it was just a good sign of things to come if they knew where they were supposed to go defensively immediately. Um, and defense is one thing that I think requires like less camaraderie or less chemistry whereas offense obviously requires a lot more of that knowing where you're gonna where your players are gonna be where they want to be and all that jazz so the defense is hopeful and that's something that can travel too like it's a good sign that the defense is is cooking so far but like they don't i i'm not gonna be surprised if they lose to the wizards and that was something i don't didn't picture myself saying like a month ago i was like all in and now right great point like the Wizards are kind of revamped. They have it's like their, hard not to ignore it. It's yeah. hard not to ignore it. They have their lead guard, Ish Smith. <laughs> oh, I need an Ish Smith revenge game, Danny. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, you're champing at the bit for it. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious how, what you think about this, though, Kev, is that, you know, you look at the Sixers and the question was asked to Doc Rivers about where Matisse was playing um, and the fact that he's been at the back of the rotation. Mm-hmm. But Doc's reply was that, you know, don't read, you know, too much into the rotation. You know, Matisse is going to be playing a lot. Yeah. Do you believe him when he says that? Or because based on what I saw, if Matisse was not one of the first three guys off the bench and those three were Shake Furkan and um, Dwight Howard. So if he's not one of those first three off the bench, that makes him guy nine or ten. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It, it, you know, what he says and what he does could be two different things. And I, when I say that, I mean Doc Rivers, because what he says is that not to pay too, so much attention, but, even, you know, in two games, if Matisse is, you know, not one of the first three guys off the bench, he is in the back end of the rotation. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Can you, you, can you make some sense of that for me? Well, what's your opinion on that? 
I don't know if it's like a believe doc or not believe doc thing, but like, even if he is going to be playing a lot and doc is telling the truth, then it's a little bit of a weird decision because you want this new team to gel. You want them to, you want the experience. Right. And Matisse is a guy, you, Matisse is definitely not a plug and play guy. Like he needs a lot of work on offense. Uh, he's still fouling a lot. I know you asked me a couple pods ago about, does he need to control his fouling? And I was like, no, he's fine. Uh, but yeah, you I'm still like, see some of those tendencies, right? You might have been wrong on that one because he's that reaching in, yeah. So, like, I would be concerned that that's not the right move if he's going to be playing a lot in the regular season. That why wouldn't he be playing in the preseason, learning to be around Danny Green, Seth Curry, all those different guys, like Dwight Howard, even? Just I would be fine. I guess I'd be fine if he doesn't play. Like, I'd rather almost see Shake Furcon, Dwight, and even Maxi over him at this point, but. I will be monitoring that, of course, on opening night on Wednesday. But that's an interesting thing to look at for sure. And so let's just draw that out a little bit more. So we got our five, which we know. First off the bench, Shake, Dwight Howard, Furkan. Mm-hmm. And then you have Matisse, Maxie, and Mike Scott, who have also gotten a lot of playing time. Doc has said it's going to be a 10-man rotation. Um and, you know, maybe Mike Scott is is the guy 10 or 11, but Matisse isn't further up than 9 or 10. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's, I, I don't know. I just if, – if there's going to be, which we have talked about in the podcast, uh, him, he's going to be a 3 and D guy. There's got to be some 3 with that D or he's mm-hmm. not going to be on the floor that much. Or maybe he wasn't playing because there's a trade looming. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Is that where we're going? So yeah. it, 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 would that be for James Harden? <laughs> Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point. I, I just feel like when I look at what the Sixers have and what they don't have, Matisse doesn't bring anything that they don't get anywhere else. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it's the, shooting wise, he doesn't provide that, which every team can use shooting. Um, wise, same thing. He like, yeah, he are, impressed me so much more than anything I saw from Matisse last year in terms of like going forward with this team. Shake and Maxi, like that Shake and Maxi tandem in the backcourt, that was really fun. And like, that's something I would like to just see in the future. <laughs> and, and for some, I, I'm seeing chemistry with Mike Scott. I mean, I don't know what it is with Maxi and Mike Scott. You know, um, I don't know. Um, you know, we see, we see Tyrese Maxi with the all the Popeyes chicken for the flight, you know, to Indiana, but I don't know who his uh, his veteran is. And yeah. <laughs> but but um, maybe my him and Mike Scott seem to have some chemistry on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping Danny Green and Matisse can link up to get so he can glean a little bit there. But uh, I'm a little worried about where he fits in the rotation and everybody else. I, I see like straight lines and can understand it. But him, I just don't see, you know, I saw a meme, Kevin, <laughs> and particularly after this last Eagles game, it definitely has a little bit more validity. And it was like uh, Jalen Hurt. Oh, oh, it was from um, Sixers and Six podcast. There we go. There, that's Aaron exactly Clark, what it was. Yeah. Sixers and Six had the meme exactly. And shout out to those dudes. <laughs> always serious. Yeah, but it was it was Jalen Hurt surrounded by the Eagles players, and it had Tyrese Maxey on you know his name you know printed on the meme, and then it was uh, Carson Wentz walking away from the huddle all by himself, and it had Matisse Thybul on there because mm-hmm. like Maxey was like the new shiny thing. Yeah. It was like, okay, Sixers and Six said it. Okay. Right. I was thinking it, but they said it. Yeah, right. they, they do a great job over there. Shout out to them. 
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, let's take a look at the odds from our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. And it's <laughs> listen, man, I, you know, Vegas is Vegas. There's nothing much you can say. But Kevin, with all that's happened with this team, they are still... One, two, three. The seventh best odds to win the title at plus 2,000. The yeah. Heat, Celtics, Nets, Clippers, Bucks, and Lakers are ahead of them. Is, is that realistic? Are they I, the seventh best team to win the championship? I put them around that, I think. I hope. Um, I mean, we I talk about them being. They were the a six seed last year. I don't know if they're yeah. the seventh best team in the NBA, but. Well, like if they're going to be a three seed, four seed, then you could make the argument they're around seven, eight, nine. The Western conference is loaded, but only one team's going to make the conference finals. So right. it's so, so as far as odds go, the odds the Sixers have to get yeah. to the championship are a lot better. And then I guess the chances of them winning it are, are yeah. better than others too. Um, I, I got some goosebumps thinking about them winning a championship just now, but um, <laughs> so, all right. So boom, they're, they're seventh best chance to win a championship. They're also seven and a half point favorites against the Washington Wizards. Do you think that's uh, something that you would throw some shekels on? That I don't know. Um, I might go the other way as an opener. I mean, they. I, I yeah. even think that they, they might have. You know, you know what I'm saying. It's just one of those weird. You know, everyone's kind of feeling themselves out. I think it'll be a tighter game than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could blow them out. I don't think they will, but it, I feel like it's going to be a close game on Wednesday night. Um, it's something that, again, I would not be surprised if they lose the game. <laughs> it's one of those things. But, like, if they maintain a 5.5, 4, 5-point lead most of the game, then the Wizards end up fouling. Uh, they get some late free throws. They go up 8. They get a late layup, go up 10. Like, that's a possibility. 8 points? That's a lot of points for me. I, yeah. I don't know. I could, I, and that's To like, me – in my head, if I think they'll win by by eight, then all I have to go to the next step and think they'll win by ten, and I yeah. definitely don't think that's exactly. going to happen. Yeah, uh, I don't. I might. I might bet the Wizards. Uh, I yeah, I don't love the spread for the Sixers, but the championship odds I like. I might take that. Well, curious. You know, you look at those other teams that are ahead of them. The only Eastern Conference teams are the ones that we continually talk about: the Bucks, Nets, Celtics, and Heat. Do you think they're better than those teams? I think they could jump the Celtics. I don't okay. love their draft and love Kemba their definitely won't be starting the season. They'll I'm be slow out of the gate the prop most likely. So I think head to head matchup wise, the Sixers are better than the Celtics. Um, but season's not played one on one. The teams play well against different teams, worse against others. So I think they can jump the Celtics. The Bucks, I think, are still gonna reign supreme in the East. They are very, very good. Heat um, I don't know. I was lower on them last year, so it's hard for me to say of 
if they can repeat that, that might've been a flash in the pan. They could, the Sixers could jump the heat. The Nets are going to be better than the Sixers. They're loaded. And that's going to be a team I really looking forward to watch with Kyrie and KD. That's an extremely fun team. Yeah. Um, so I think they could get to third best in the East. Well, I think the thing, when I look at these teams, Kevin, I see all six of those teams having a perimeter or wing player who can get their own shot in crunch time, go one-on-one, create, or play make for other people. The Sixers don't have that, and that continually is a sticking point in why the James Harden deal seems so appealing, is that it gives them something they don't have, and that is a bona fide bucket getter. That's right. Um, unless you want to throw Shake into the fire and have him be that. That's asking a lot, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Taking a Jamal Murray leap and just being the right, right. The playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing I'm lower on of if the Sixers can kind of game break that and win with a new formula that's tougher to prepare for of you don't have that one guy you can just guard one-on-one or lock down, like – if they can kind of change the game almost and have a different approach that's harder to prepare for, harder to uh, capitalize against, that could be a, a good avenue. But I'd rather them go with the get the bona fide superstar scorer and just kind of ISO people and win. Right. <laughs> Grinding. Hey, uh, hopefully the winning is contagious for this team, but be sure to check out the odds from our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. Hey, we're bearing down on this opener. Uh, we're excited. Kevin is getting excited. He's starting to feel it. He's going to get there soon. I'm sure, we'll end recording and I'll just like run around screaming because I realize that's, that's okay. That's all right. I just want a video. Just send me the video of you okay. doing it and I, I won't post it on social media that you follow me on. But um, <laughs> I think the thing I'm thinking about is that as we're approaching the season, here we are with this team and trying to gel and obviously all this, um, you know, them becoming unified and and becoming a more solidified unit and team is going to bleed into the regular season, just because there's not a lot of time to make those things happen, which you would get in training camp and preseason and whatnot. I'm curious if you had a holiday wish, Kevin, if you had something that this team could, could get or, or realistically attain, what what do you think that thing is for you? That would just be like a, a, a present under the tree. Uh, I think you'll agree with me on this too. I think if the Sixers can get Tobias Harris back to the Clippers form he was in, I think that would be monumental. I didn't. I haven't seen that in the preseason though. Have you Neither. seen any of that? That's no. That's why it's a wish. <laughs> it, it's like Tobias has kind of faded into the background, and not like um, he's not on the floor. But I just haven't seen any like difference making opportunities or him. You know hitting a few shots in a row that make me take notice or He's any of those still dribbling tangible a lot things. Too. He is. And, and Doc has mentioned that he, he did a lot of that last season and that's not his strong suit. And he wanted to get that out of, you know, his repertoire, but continue with your point. Cause I, I just, uh, Tobias, that point I think is, is something that, that may linger here for a while. Mm-hmm. If he can't just find his way. Yeah. It's this couple of the first preseason games too. Like he was just dribbling a lot. He was trying to create and, I was getting angry when I think there was a lineup that had him, Joel, and then I think Shake Furcon. Like it had shooters around them. It was shooters and Joel. And Tobias took go to the post and just backed his guy down and then just missed the shot. And I was like, you have all these awesome players around you. Please don't dribble into a post up. Like I already saw enough of that last year. I can't do it anymore. 
But if they can get him back to just a catch and awesome catch and shoot guy, awesome at like getting him moving downhill before he catches the ball so he can get into that little mid-range game that he loves, but quickly, uh, I think that would be super significant for the Sixers' success and just their their chemistry and their offensive motor almost going forward of just they're going to be a lot cleaner on offense if he can get back to his Doc Rivers Clippers days. I'm curious. I know you are a guy who likes to, you know, kind of analyze the film and be a little, uh, you know, detailed in that regard. I haven't seen the stuff that Doc has talked about. And Doc has talked about the fact that he's dribbled too much last He felt like Harris was dribbling too much last year and that he needs to be going more downhill. Mm-hmm. And that would be like a pick and roll, like decision-making opportunity for him. Like he, he excels in, in those decision-making opportunities is, is what doc is saying, where in the pick and roll is either like a pass or shoot or pick and pop or like, like how, how Tobias, you know, makes those decisions is, is one of his strong suits. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of pick and roll where he's had those chances, but, and, yeah. and not, not, ma- not where he's the handler, but where he's the, the screener. Mm-hmm. Cause you can, you can pop with him too. Like if he screens, right. you can just pop right after three catch and shoot three. It's all you need him to do. <laughs> yeah. So I, I haven't seen those opportunities and we'll look for some of that, but I, I think that's a great example. I think he has, kind of faded to the back and background in some instances where you don't know he's out on the floor and he can't be, and I hate to go to the money, but he can't be making that much dough dominating that much of the salary cap and not making an impact on the court that reflects somewhere close to what that might be. Mm-hmm. So a- clip Clippers Tobias, man is a great example. Mm-hmm. Danny, what's your holiday wish for the Sixers? Oh, my holiday wish um, and, and this is kind of, you know, every, I think everybody wants this wish, but I need Joel Embiid to be, uh, you know, put it all together. So not, not necessarily be, you know, this ferocious, you know, Shaquille O'Neal type of guy and, you know, not necessarily to be the super stretch five. I just need the, the balance of the two mm-hmm. and that Joel Embiid to me, is is a higher basketball IQ, a passing out of double teams, a finding the open shooter, um, a higher basketball IQ, continuing to draw those fouls and get to the line, and the consistency that comes with that would be – he's the rudder, man, in my, in my eyes, because whenever he's out on the floor, everyone in some way defers to him because he often has advantages and mismatches and is the guy who – on both ends of the, like you want to reward the big man for great defensive play. And he's also establishing great position down low. Like he he's dominating without the ball in in those aspects of creating position and space and things like that. And they, you know, bring in these shooters to, you know, stretch the floor so that Joel has more opportunity and space to work and things like that. So I I just, I, I need him to come into his own to, really accentuate all the moves they've made and he's the man bro he is the man and yeah ben has the ball in his hands but joel is the best player on this team he's the reason why people want you know to bring james harden in there so this duo can work together of joel and harden and i need joel to be 
as advertised. So I don't even know if that's a holiday wish because it, it, it can happen. Yeah. It's not even like it's a, you know, you're, you're pie in the sky type of thing. Like yeah. this is something that could really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Clippers Tobias, I'm not so sure <laughs> can happen, but I wish it's not my, yeah. maybe not me, my top wish. <laughs> I'd rather. Right. I'd rather. But, but it's a great one. And I, <laughs> I would have probably taken that if you hadn't taken it, but, but do, what, what is your opinion on Joel and, and those putting it all together things like this is year seven, this is it, right? Yeah. He has to put it all together if they're going to take that next step. Can they do it without him? I, uh, I don't think they can do it without him. He's the best player on this team. Um, it's He's better than Ben. <laughs> I'm going to say it right now. Joel Embiid's better than Ben Simmons. And not to interrupt you real quick, Kev, but d- d- not even to say that he has to be like this transcendent MVP type player, but just to put all the ducks in a row yep. of accentuating his skills and not be exactly what he was last year. And I think... Uh, when we had Jason Dumas on, he said Joel was dogging it and he was still dogging it and putting up 20 and 10 numbers, playing awesome defense. But like if he's more locked in this year, I think he can put it all together. We talked about Ben not shooting threes in the preseason. Joel was firing like yeah, he 0 for 4 in the opener. <laughs> obviously, but that's fine. Like, I'll take, yeah, no, nah, it's fine because it's keeping like, the defense honest and the threat is there. Yeah. And like he's obviously trying to work on it. And in a team with much better spacing, that can be a viable option for him to get out of the post, not have that wear and tear on his body. You talked about advantages that Joel creates. Being a top two center in the league, you're going to have an advantage every single time down the court. The best post-up player in the league, you're going to have an advantage every time down the court. So if he can figure out that in-and-out game on offense of just knowing where to be, becoming a little bit of a better roller, which we saw in the preseason game he played, he was cutting more. He looked like he had had more control over his body when he was going downhill without the ball which is very promising because if you get a seven to seven foot guy down till at Joel's size, like no one's getting in front of that. You, <laughs> you almost have a dunk or a layup every time if the pass is good and the cut is good. So I think that Joel could put it all together this year or next year. Um, even if he doesn't put it together, you still have an awesome player. Like we saw last year, he was an awesome, awesome center who was not having fun. So if he's having fun and playing well, that's a scary thought for the rest of the league and a very yeah. fun thought for us. You bring up a good point because I think there was a emphasis last year on just getting to the postseason. Like that was the thing. Like, man, we just got to get to the postseason and then we can, you know, figure it out or kind of like you really start this fire type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and as you can see from how last season went, it, it just – there are so many things that you don't control who could have predicted that a pandemic would come in the middle of the year or toward the end of the year and just shut everything down and create this bubble and the juxtaposition. Like who knew that that would happen? But I think it brings out a great point is that you, as not that Joel wasn't going out there trying to dominate and be his best self every single time, but it, you just have to take everything step by step. You know, they had this expression of football. You know, we're just trying to go one and oh this week. Like, because you just can control each week at a time, each game at a time, each possession at a time. So, whereas the Sixers have so much pressure and expectations and delivering in the postseason, it's such an important part of what this organization needs to do, but also there is a day-to-day step-by-step aspect to it of just going through uh, and performing and being transcendent every time and every opportunity. So I think 
you know, while the, the team is focused on these lofty long-term goals, I think that that kind of, you know, kind of overwhelmed them a little bit when it came to delivering because I don't think that they quite went through, you know, uh, injuries are a part of it and they had setbacks and things like that, but there's got to be like a day-to-day, like taking care of business type of mentality, you know, that businessman's approach mm-hmm. of that everyday stuff that I think will pay dividends late in the season. Yeah, going one to know every day or every game. And then also just learning if you don't, or if you do, and just learning. Right, uh, not a loss, a lesson. Great point. Yes, perfect. And, like, I was a big guy of, like, just get Joel to the postseason healthy. Like, I don't care if he takes load management games. I still don't care if he takes load management games. I'd rather – I think that's the PTSD. It's like we're all just, like, so, like, caught up in all this – postseason and the Kawhi shot and somebody's yeah. like ah like we just want to get get yeah. back and get revenge and because mm-hmm. it was on the other side they lost on an anomaly like probably the greatest shot in the history of one of the greatest shots in the history of basketball or like most iconic shots of just how it went in but no you're, you're right there yeah. yeah um I don't think that like the Sixers can they can't just coast again to the playoffs like they did last year and they didn't really even coast they were a five seed so like that's not six Six seed, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. not that's not coasting the playoffs. Like you you were in easily, but that's not really coasting. And if Joel's taking games off for load management, which he should because it's taxing, um, this team needs to figure out how to win without him, which is something I was never besides the Ben's rookie year where they went like sixteen and zero and that one stretched up. It's since then I have not been confident they can win without Joel in any game. So if they can't figure out the non-Joel games, then I am very concerned because anything can happen at any time. And if Joel, for some terrible reason that I'm knocking on wood, never happens, but if something happens where he's not in the playoffs, then I lose a lot of hope. So if they can have him, have Joel be that catalyst on both ends of the uh, both ends of the floor and learn to win without him and play without him, then I think it's going to be a good season. <laughs> because they don't, they don't have guy like Tobias Harris you would hope would be the guy they could lean on to you know pick up the slack and things like that but he hasn't shown that he can do that so I I think Dwight Howard does give me hope as far as if Joel misses time because he offers something that they haven't have not had just being a capable backup but also being someone with a motor uh, that can produce but I, I, I think that as currently constructed like a four seed, three seed might be where they are, but mm-hmm. they also don't have the benefit of, you know, that home court advantage like they had last season. Mm-hmm. Maybe the road won't be as daunting as well, but one of their biggest feathers in their cap was that fact yeah. that they yeah. were so good at home and, right. and with no fans in the stands, you, you don't get that benefit. All right, Danny, I have, I have a thought for you. Say, say Joel takes a game off and like, mm-hmm. all right, the Sixers on Joel tonight. What if instead of falling back on Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, you're falling back on James Harden? <laughs> Hell, that, man, that, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. And, hey, Ben Simmons as a small ball five, are we there yet? Are, are, is that something we're entertaining? Like, what is that the, even the defense, on, in your radar? No, the defense is not up to par. He's not – he's very strong, but he's not strong enough to – kind of bang bodies with those centers down low. Sabonis ate him alive. He's has some pretty eh, pick and roll coverage reads when he's the five, which like, it's not his natural position. It's not a right. slight to him, but he's not, he can guard one through four. He can guard one through five, but he can't be the five. He can right. switch onto a five and guard him for a possession or two, but having him in that is not going to, I think maximize his defensive abilities where he's out on the perimeter. He's long. He can move with those guards. 
that's kind of a, a waste on his part to put him down on the block with centers who are going to outmatch him. Yeah, I, I feel you, Kev. I know you want to trade for Harden, and um, I think the asking price is too steep. But I see your point that if you're resting Joel Embiid, but you're trotting out James Harden and Danny Green and Seth Curry, and all of a sudden, like your scoring is not one of your biggest concerns. Is who's yeah. going to you know plug up the middle? And there's where that's where Dwight Howard comes in. Um, yeah. Not to the Joel Embiid extent, like you mentioned, but he does uh, it does fill the void as a capable backup. But those are our holiday wishes. Um, the, which one do you think is more likely to happen? Joel, I think. That's <laughs> a bias, right? You don't have any. You don't no. have any confidence. It's a a lot. Not not any, but you know what I'm trying to say. But. Um, hey, we here from the Sixers Talk podcast want to wish all of you out there a happy holiday season, healthy holiday season. Um, we are uh, just elated with all the contributions you guys have made to make our holidays happy with the five star ratings coming in, as well as the comments and the thoughts and the you know people stopping me, asking me questions if, if they see me. Not so much now during the pandemic, but <laughs> that, that does happen you know, from time to time. But uh, and Kevin, I, I want to thank you for being my co-host because thank i i, I uh, you've lived up to all the expectations and i appreciate the energy that you bring so thank you you're welcome you're welcome so uh for ben barry our uh slash co-host producer for the kevin rice for temple university thank you from the sixers talk podcast i'm danny pommels we appreciate you we're brought to you by wilmington university of course wilm you works Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.